This morning we're going to continue, and not just continue, but to conclude our series on Ephesians. We've been talking for uh, 13 lessons, 13 weeks, not quite weeks, but 13 different sermons on the book of Ephesians. And Paul wrote this letter to uh, be surrounded to the surrounding churches in the uh, Ephesus area, Asia Minor, and, and wanted them to hear about this incredible thing that God was doing. And this incredible uh, letter is so powerful for us here and now and today. And we're going to wrestle through the final verses of this letter. And we're going to uh, continue to believe that it's going to speak to us as we uh, journey through this. Now, Paul writes this letter in two kind of uh, categories. He breaks it into two parts. He, the first three chapters, he talks about the theology, the, the teaching of Jesus. He begins to unpack for Jew and Gentile this concept and this idea and this reality that God has adopted us into his family. That he's adopted each one of us into his family through Jesus. That, that he's provided us with this inheritance and the guarantee of that inheritance is the deposit of the Holy Spirit that's with us. And God is, is beginning to circulate this, this growing community. And Paul's challenging the church and he's giving them information about this theology, how God has done this incredible thing in Christ for us, how we been we're, once we're dead, but now we're alive, that we used to live this way, and now we have to live this way because of what Jesus has done for us, and the power of the cross, and the resurrection. So Paul gives this rich theology in the first three chapters of Ephesians, and then he transitions to this very practical means of living out this new theology in the church. He says, because of what Christ has done and what God is doing within the, the, the body, creating Jew and Gentile as one people, this is creating this new community. And this new community needs to figure out how to live differently from the world that's around them. So Paul says, here's the practical way to live it out. Here's how we find unity within the community. We live out love and, and we walk in love and we walk in, in truth and in light. That we, we, we understand that God is doing something unique and different. And we have then move into these changes of our relationships. Paul talks about the family relationship, the marriage relationship, the work relationship. And how it's different from what the culture says. And how we live out this whole journey submitting to one another. And as we submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Or reverence for God or fear for God depending on your translation. Then we begin to build unity which connects to our, our purpose for this year. Our, our plan and our, our uh, theme for this year. Where we find one accord or unity or harmony. And as Paul continues he kind of writes the last bit of chapter 6 about the, the real purpose in this new community, there's going to be a war, a battle. And it's not this battle with, with uh, flesh and blood. It's a spiritual battle. And God's provided us with the armor to put on in the battle and to stand firm in the battle. And then we need the whole armor of God to be able to stand firm in the battle, to be able to fight the war that's taking place. And then Paul gets to the end, chapter 6. 
the last part of the letter. And it's this personal note that he writes. And this is where we're going to land on this morning. And this is where we're going to find ourselves. It's this personal note that he delivers to the church. And he's given this incredible theology. And he's given this very practical way of living. But throughout the whole letter, we begin to see something happen. And we begin to see Paul and who he is. And we begin to hear these last thoughts that he speaks to the church. In fact, some would suggest that this is the, uh, the last words that Paul spoke, the last letter that he wrote. That as he's imprisoned in Rome and he's sending this letter off to the churches to be inspired, to be transformed, to be encouraged, to be uh, made new, that these are basically his last words. What would it be like if you knew that your time here was coming to an end, what would the last words you would write or speak or want to say to somebody or to a group of people? If you knew that your life here was, was, was coming to an end in the next day or two or week, what would you write or what would you say? What would you maybe videotape because of our technology era that you could pass on to the people you love, the people you care about. Paul is writing this last letter, these last words to the church. And this end of chapter 6 is a final greeting, is a personal note that he delivers to encourage the church moving forward. Paul, as Luch writes in his commentary, A New Way to Be Human, says this, Paul's final words in the letter of Ephesians Give us a glimpse into the heart, into the heart of this faithful leader. Paul always sees himself as part of God's community. He always sees himself as part of God's community, even though he writes at a geographical distance. His heart is always with the people to whom he's writing. His heart is always with the people to whom he's writing. This letter gives us a glimpse into the heart of this faithful leader. Through six chapters, we begin to see this leader and who he is. So what does Paul's heart look like? What does it look like for the to be this faithful leader? What is the glimpse that we begin to see? And I believe that as we see in this letter, and it kind of sums up in the last several verses of chapter 6, we begin to see a leader's heart what it means to be a leader. And we can learn from this. And we ourselves are leaders within different contexts in which we are, whether it's work, whether it's home, whether it's at school, whether it's uh, in business, in, in, in the church, in leadership, in a ministry position, that we can begin to understand and see and use these characteristics that we begin to see of a leader's heart, a leader's heart. Paul begins to show us through this letter and throughout his other letters of these specific things, but specifically here in Ephesians are this. A leader's heart has a leader's heart. He speaks with authority. He speaks with authority. Now, this isn't authority that's given to him by man. This is the authority that God has given him. He speaks with the authority of of God. He doesn't speak because he, uh, he, he, he's put himself in a position of power. He speaks because of what God's done 
and what God's done in him. And we see this in the letter of Ephesians in chapter 1. In chapter 1, when it says this, This letter is from Paul, chosen by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus. He's chosen by the will of God. He's speaking with authority from the authority that God's given him, not from the authority of man. I'm writing to God's holy people, he says, in Ephesus, who are faithful followers of Christ Jesus. May God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. That's the opening of this letter. That Paul opens this letter by speaking of his writing and speaking with authority. It's not my authority, but it's from God. It's the authority God's given me to be an apostle, to be a teacher, to be uh, a leader and to speak to you. He says in chapter 3, verse 2, assuming, by the way, that you know God gave me the special responsibility of extending His grace to you Gentiles. So here again, Paul, as he's speaking through this letter, in the heart of the leader we begin to see is that he speaks with authority, but not authority of his own, but the authority that God's given him. And he speaks truth, not his own satisfaction. But he speaks truth. So we begin to see this heart shape of who this heart as a leader is. And it's the heart that speaks with authority. It's a heart that speaks with authority. But it's also a heart, a leader's heart that leads by example. Leads by example. Paul has always been an example to the church. He leads by example. If he asks the church to preach the gospel, he's already been and is continuing to preach the gospel. If he asks the church to serve, it's because he's already serving and wants us to serve like Christ served. In fact, he writes in Ephesians chapter 3 verse 1, When I think of all this, when I reflect on all that I've spoken so far from chapter 2, he says, I, Paul, A prisoner of Christ Jesus for the benefit of you Gentiles. He's he's talking about this incredible thing that God is doing. And this incredible life transformation that we were once dead, but now we're made alive. And and he's experienced this transformation in Christ. And now he's saying, I'm a prisoner because of the gospel. I'm a prisoner because of preaching boldly the gospel. And he's leading by example because he's challenging us to do the same. In chapter 4, he says, therefore, again, therefore, I am a, I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling. For you have been called by God. Lead a life worthy of your calling. Remember, Paul's calling, he told us in chapter 2, is that God gave him a special responsibility to extend his grace to the Gentiles. So he's leading by example because he's been speaking and teaching and sharing who Jesus is and how Jesus in Christ, we as Gentiles are grafted in, adopted into the family of God. And that's caused him to be a prisoner, caused him to be imprisoned, bound by chains. But he doesn't care because he's going to continue to preach. And as he challenges us to, we see that he's leading by example. In Ephesians chapter 6, Paul says, I am in chains now. I'm bound, but I'm still preaching this message as God's ambassador. So pray that I may keep on speaking boldly for him as I should. He's leading by example. He wants 
to challenge us as the church to find unity within community, to share the gospel of Jesus. And he's the first one on the streets. He's the first one sharing the truth of Jesus and leading by example. As leaders, we need to lead by example. He speaks with authority. He leads by example. He also is sensitive to the needs of others. He's sensitive to the needs of others. As Paul's writing this letter, there are two specific times, and then three in chapter 6, where he begins to pray for his listeners, pray for those who are going to read this letter. He says in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 16 and 17, I have not stopped thanking God for you. I pray for you constantly, asking God, the glorious Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, to give you spiritual wisdom, or the spirit of wisdom, depending on your translation. The spiritual wisdom and insight, so that you might grow in your knowledge of God. He's sensitive to the needs of others. He knows that this is a big topic, so he's praying that they would understand, and that they would receive God's wisdom, and the spirit of wisdom, to be able to understand who God is. It's incredible. And then in chapter 3, he says, I pray that from His glorious, unlimited resources, He being God, will empower you with inner strength through His Spirit. Then Christ will make His home in your hearts as you trust in Him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. He's sensitive to the needs of others. He's praying that God would continue to reveal himself to his listeners, to those who he's speaking to. As a leader, and as as a leader, he has the leader's heart to speak with authority. He's a leader's heart to lead by example, to be sensitive to the needs of others. And we see the lastly that he's sensitive to his own need for them being the community of God. He's sensitive to the needs of others, but at the same time, he's sensitive to his own need for the family of God. So he's not a leader who just does it all by himself and thinks that he's got it all together and he's the one who's... No, he he says, I need you just as much. I need you. He says in chapter 6, verse 19, and pray for me, Paul says, and pray for me to ask God to give me the right words so I can boldly explain God's mysterious plan that the good news is for Jesus, uh, for Jews, the good news is for Jews and Gentiles alike. Pray for me too. Remember, Paul always saw himself as a part of the community the family of God, no matter geographically where he was. He's saying, I need you guys too. His heart is not about, look at me, it's all about me. He says, no. God's given me responsibility and God's called me and given me authority and I'm going to speak with that authority. I'm going to speak with that authority, but I'm not going to just press it down over them. I'm going to lead by example. And I'm going to be sensitive to others' needs. So I'm going to pray for them. But then at the same time, I understand that I need them just as much. And I need them to pray for me. And I need them to call out to God for me. 
That this family is a unit altogether. That it's not about one person better than another. In fact, you could say that Paul lived out the concept and the idea and the understanding of what it means to submit to one another. Even though he was looked at as an apostle. Even though he was deemed as a, uh, a, what the world would say is higher status. You see, the true heart of a leader speaks with authority that God's given them, not on their own authority or man-given authority. A true leader leads by example. A true leader is sensitive to the needs of others and sensitive to his own need for others. This is Paul's heart as he's writing this letter. This is Paul's heart as he's crying out, as he's calling out, as he's saying, friends, you need to hear the message of Jesus. You need to hear what Christ has done for you. You need to experience this new life because you're dead without Him. You're made alive in Christ. And God has created you as His masterpiece. And He has good works planned in advance for you to do. And you need to live them out. And how do we do that in the community? Well, we find unity by loving, serving, submitting, and caring for one another. That we do that by standing together in battle with the full armor of God on. And we live out life together as a family, as a new community. That's Paul's heart as he's sharing this letter. And then he gets to the end in chapter 6, and he writes... These words, and I'm going to piggyback off of verse 18 from last week and carry on. But he says this, starting in verse 18. Pray. Pray at all times and on every occasion. In the power of the Holy Spirit. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all Christians everywhere. And pray for me too, he says. Ask God to give me the right words as I boldly explain God's secret plan that the good news is for Gentiles too. I am in chains now for preaching this message as God's ambassador, but pray that I will keep on speaking boldly for Him as I should. Verse 21 says, Titius, a much beloved brother and faithful helper in the Lord's work, will tell you all about how I'm getting along. I'm sending him to you just for just this purpose. He will let you know how we are and he will encourage you. And Paul concludes by saying, may God give you peace dear brothers and sisters, and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. May God's grace be upon all who love our Lord Jesus with an undying love. Paul gives us in these last several verses the closing thought. The closing thoughts. He's saying, saying, friends, This new community is so important. Being with one another is so important. In fact, I'd like to suggest three things out of this last, these last several verses that kind of help us to see how we live out 
unity within the community. How we live out life together in the family. And Paul challenges us, and I think he challenges us first with this. We need to find and understand and embrace the power of prayer. The power of prayer. He says, pray in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion. Pray in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion. And we talked about this last week, how it's not quite a piece of armor that that Paul talks about, but it's very closely connected and very important, this how-to with all of the armor of God that we need to be praying in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion. We need to stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere, that we need to be praying for one another, that we need to be praying for those around us, that we need to be praying at all times for God to continue to move we need to shift our focus to an attitude of prayer that we want to pray and be thankful and give thanks and pray for everything and anything that it becomes this attitude and this lifestyle in how we live i've said this several times but what would it be like if as the church when we began to have a conversation with somebody, if they sh- started to share a hurt or a need, if we said, you know what, let's just pray for that right now. Instead of go, oh, I'll pray for, oh I'm praying for you, I'll pray for that. And then forget about it when we end the conversation. What if it, we changed our focus and in the moment we started praying? So Paul's saying, don't forget the power of prayer. Don't forget the power of prayer to be praying for everyone on all occasions. Pray in the Spirit. Be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. And pray for me too, Paul then says. Pray for me too. Because I need your prayers because I'm bound in prison. And I still want to proclaim the gospel. I still want to preach boldly. So please pray for me too. Ask God to give me the right words so that I can boldly explain God's mysterious plan that the good news is for Jews and Gentiles. Pray for me that I can boldly teach the mysterious plan that he's unfolded for the church in Ephesus and surrounding area that Jesus Christ died for them, for you, for me. That he paid the price for our redemption. And that by his blood shed that we've been forgiven. He's saying, give me strength to boldly proclaim these words. So that Jew and Gentile alike hear it. That they understand the plan that God started and initiated. That He's drawing people in. That He's, that he's making us adopted children. That He's bringing us all in. Jew and Gentile. Into the family of God. Give me confidence. Give, pray that God would give me confidence and boldness. Even though I'm here and even though I'm chained. And even though I'm in prison. That I can still preach the words. The power of prayer. The power of prayer. Acts, in the book of Acts, we hear a story. Peter imprisoned. And the church is gathered in a home. Blocks away praying that God would move in power. Peter's set for death. And God rescues him miraculously. The first place he goes is to the the home. Where the church is praying. The girl who answers the door doesn't believe it's Peter at first. Because he's in prison. But the power of prayer. The power of prayer. That God 
hears when we call out to Him. And we need to be prepared to pray in the Spirit on every occasion for all needs, believing that God will do what only He can do. Maybe it's a challenge for some of you. It's been a challenge for me. How can I pray on all occasions? How can I be persistent in my prayers? And one of the things I'm trying to do is to, in the moment, in the moment of conversation, to just pray, not just wait, but to pray. The power of prayer, Paul talks about in his closing thoughts. The next next thought that he shares in in, in the power in, in significance for us is this, words of encouragement. Words of encouragement. Bringing you up to date, Titius will give you a full report, he says, about what I'm doing and how I'm getting along. He's already told him that he's in prison, but he's going to get a full report. He is a beloved brother and faithful helper in the Lord's work. He's a ministry partner. He's walked alongside Paul. In fact, there's many believe that, that he brought the letter to the church, in, to the Colossian letter as well as the Philemon letter. That Titius brought these letters for Paul. He's saying, I've sent him to you for this very purpose. There's a reason that he's coming. He's going to come to let you know how we are doing, how we are doing, and to encourage you. He's going to let you know how we're doing, but also to encourage you. Encouragement is so important. Paul is imprisoned. Paul is Paul is imprisoned, yet writing this letter with so much joy and excitement. He's speaking on the authority that God's given him. And the Spirit speaking through him. He's saying, this letter is coming to you to encourage you. To lift you up. To encourage you because maybe you're discouraged or maybe you're heartbroken or, or maybe you just don't understand. But he's bringing words of encouragement to lift people up. My children love it when I when I look at them and they've done an, a, a, something, whether it's scored a goal in hockey or whether they've uh, done something that we haven't asked them to and we just say, man, that was awesome. You did such a good job there. Like the encouragement just lights them up. We need to encourage one another. We need to speak words of encouragement to each other. Within the community, there's 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 the need for encouragement because when we walk out of here and when we're apart from the community, not that we leave the community, but when we're at our home, man, it's like everything is discouraging and everything is, why didn't you do this? Why didn't you do that? And we need people to offer words of encouragement, to pick us up, to help us through. We need to be understanding of the power of prayer we need to be praying on all occasions we need to be praying in the spirit praying that god would move in power we need to be praying specifically for people we need to be speaking words of encouragement to pick people up to encourage them to strengthen them to be there to help pull up instead of push down and lastly paul gives this benediction Peace, love, and grace. Peace, love, and grace. Paul 
closes the letter and he says, Peace be with you. Peace be with you, dear brothers and sisters. And may God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, give you love with faithfulness. And may God's grace be eternally upon all who love our Lord Jesus Christ. A place where we receive God's love in the community, in God's family. We find His love, His peace, and His grace. And we're offering and extending that peace, that love, and that grace to others. Paul gives his final thoughts. He shares these final words. He says, be and understand the power of prayer. Use words of encouragement. And then this benediction of peace, love, and grace. Luch, in his commentary, says these words. In the, final, in the letter's final words, Paul leaves them with peace, love, and faith. The three things that he spent the entire letter declaring and applying to his listeners' lives, to his listeners' lives and communities. Peace of God, the love of God, and the grace that comes from God. N.T. Wright says these words, The closing greeting emphasizes peace, as so, as so much of his letter, of the letter has done. Peace with God, peace with one another across all traditional barriers. That is central to the message of Ephesians. Central to the great vision of God's people that it offers. Central to our lives and vocations as we today try to follow those who first heard this letter and tried to live by it. Peace with God. Peace with others. The love of God. The peace of God. And the grace. The grace of God. I don't know for you, but I know for me that this letter has been incredibly powerful in my life. That I've learned a ton as I've been studying it. That God is speaking so much truth. And it's kind of sad that we're done it because I just want to keep going. I don't want the letter to continue. But God, but Paul, through God, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, spoke some powerful words to us. And worship team, as you come, would you come this morning as we get ready to close? But I want to leave us with three things to think through. And just as we, before we do that, Paul, Luch finishes the commentary by saying, Paul wanted above all to see the churches thrive as God's community and live out their calling so that the Spirit would work through them and transform the world around them. That this letter is a theology letter and a practical letter. How we live out the theology, how we live out what Jesus has done in our life in the community that God is building. 
And as we get to the end, I'm trying to wrestle through, was trying to wrestle through how to conclude this. I feel like God's leading us to three questions for conclusion. And the first question is this, and it's for, for everyone in this room. First question is, in the theology, in the understanding of it, have you, and this is personal, have you personally experienced the life-changing power of salvation found in Jesus Christ? Have you personally been made alive because of Christ? Have you personally opened your life and given your heart to Jesus? Allowed Him to step into your life, become your, the, the, the Lord and Savior of your life? Because as Paul wrote, each one of us, each one of us, is dead because of our sins and our transgressions. But because of Christ, we've been made alive in Him. So this first question in closing this letter is very personal. Have you personally confessed Jesus as Lord and Savior? Paul writes in Romans that if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and we believe in our heart that God raised Him from the dead, that we are saved. What does saved mean? Saved means this, that we've been made alive in Christ, that our old life is gone and our new life is before us. Now, it doesn't mean that there are no struggles and there are no tensions and there are no uh, hurts or pains. But it means that we've submitted our life from trying to be all about me and ourselves to serving Christ, to serving God, and allowing Jesus to lead us. So question one is this. Have you personally made a confession? Have you personally declared with your lips Jesus is Lord and believed in your heart that God raised Him from the dead? The second one is this. If you've been adopted into the family of God, if you've been made alive in Christ? Are you living and providing and seeking unity within the community? Are you thinking of others? Are you submitting yourself to one another? Or are you being selfish and all about me and what I can get out of this? Again, I can't answer the question for you. But I pose it to you. How are you living within the community? Are you living unity? Or are you causing disruption? 
So Paul's challenging us to live in harmony with one another. To find unity in the community. And to stand with one another in battle. To pray with one another. To love one another. And to serve one another. So this morning, how can you, how can you be a part of finding and building unity within the community? And lastly, the question would be, do you find yourself embracing, walking, and living out a life that's praying in the Spirit on all occasions? Would you stand with me as we walk together to be a church that prays in the Spirit and prays on all occasions and prays for believers everywhere but at the same time is willing to ask for prayer when we need it too. this morning as we close with this song I challenge you I challenge you to reflect on the letter that we've heard I challenge you to reflect on the questions that we've just walked through and I challenge you to step out in faith and make a decision to stand as a family in unity, praying for one another, praying for all believers everywhere, that God would continue to give us boldness, that God would continue to give us strength, God would continue to speak life and dream and vision and plan. pray with me this morning. Father, in closing, we thank you. God, we thank you for this letter that Paul wrote. We thank you for the challenge that finds itself woven in these words. And I pray that you would help us. God, you'd help us to live out this life. That you'd help us to walk in unity that you'd help us to walk in love, that you'd help us to walk in step with you, constantly in prayer. So Father, this morning as we we close, as we reflect, I pray that you'd speak to each one of us. And Lord, I pray that if there are those in this room that have not found salvation in you, God, that in these moments, just as Paul wrote, that we would confess with our lips 
Jesus is Lord. That we believe in our heart that God raised Him from the dead. And Lord, that we would be made alive in Christ. Transformed and renewed. Prepared to live out the calling that you have on each one of our lives. So Father, this morning, would you move in power? Would you speak to us? Challenge us by your word? We pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.